When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Michael Jackson's Thriller Album, Stories in the Room. Join film composer Anthony Marinelli, who programmed synthesizers for seven songs on Thriller, and A&R veteran film producer Stephen Ray, who assisted Quincy Jones and was in the studio every day with Quincy and Michael. I'm Anthony Marinelli with my longtime close friend and co-host, Stephen Ray, bringing you the real stories directly from the talented people in the room with us during the making of Thriller, the greatest selling album of all time. It's my great pleasure to introduce and share stories with my buddy Greg Fillingaines. In my opinion, the key musician contributor to every one of Michael Jackson's solo albums, including Thriller. His musical touch on keyboards and outstanding artistry can be heard and felt all over his records. In this segment, Greg tells us about his early years, schooling, musical influences, the Motown sound, and an amazing story about auditioning for Stevie Wonder's band. We are so honored to have you here. Uh, there, there are no words. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He couldn't make it, so they sent me. I don't know who this guy is. You're about, but... One of the things we've been, you know, we've Anthony and I have talked about knowing you as long as we have, um, but we would love for you to share uh, with us. You know, tell us about your journey. You know, uh, from learning to play the piano when you started. Uh, you know, meeting Stevie Wonder, then meeting Michael, meeting Quincy, and then later, of course, you know, in moving to Los Angeles. We can start there. Dude, we don't have that kind of time. That's that's three separate interviews. <laughs> uh, uh, Give us the I mean, edited version. You know, it's, it's a long... It, okay. It, um, well, I started out a poor white child in the uh, neighborhoods of uh, mm. Detroit. And um, I, re- I remember um, being immersed, you know, in... Uh, in the Motown sound, which was uh, at its, arguably at its height uh, in that time, in the 60s, uh, child of the 60s and, and growing up with that, as well as uh, all the other musical influences at that time, you know, from the British sound to rock and roll, to classical, to jazz. Um, I was, uh, in the middle of all this, and, and it was an incredible time. And I remember uh, being just, uh, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, obsessed with uh, Stevie Wonder and his music. And I felt a, a deep connection to him. You know, like every other kid, you know, I had posters of him on my bedroom wall, and I, I just I was a, excuse me, a massive fan. And I also remember telling friends of mine in high school that. Eventually, I would play with him. I had this deep, deep um, feeling that that would happen. I don't, I, you know, uh, and that was apparently uh, God planting the seed at that time in high school. And um, 
you know, I, I tried college uh, for about 20 minutes and uh, sucked. Uh, it, it, it just didn't work out. And uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was failing at, at things I liked, you know, like psychology. I just it was tanking. Um, but I, I still went on to, uh, you know, play in a couple of different bands around town. It's right. I was getting uh, quite popular. Uh, and uh, a, a drummer or the drummer in the band that I was in was asked uh, one day to audition for Stevie in New York. I, uh, I remember being so happy for him and excited. And I went to visit him uh, the night before he left and, you know, go downstairs in the basement. He's packing and everything. And just... Uh, so thrilled But he insisted that I play some things on a cassette. Uh, we're old enough to remember what they are. And uh, he would uh, he would give this cassette to Stevie the next day. Or what he got there. And uh, this is the kind of friend he was. Uh, by the way, his name was, and, and unfortunately I had to use the word was, uh, his name was Ricky Lawson. Amen. But he was a friend like no other. And, you know, you've heard it said that so-and-so will give you the shirt off of his back. He literally would give you the shirt off of his back. He was that kind of friend and that kind of depth. So he goes to New York uh, the next day. Some time passed, some days passed. I don't know really how many, but it felt like a month. And then one day early in the morning, uh, Ricky called me and said, Stevie wants to see you in New York today. Just like that. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, needless to say, a little excited. Uh, and uh, I'm packing my clothes, running around like a water uh, dervish. And my mom was on her way to work. She says, what is the matter with you? And I said, Stevie, I don't want to see me in New York today. <laughs> she says, well, just, uh, just make sure you bring clean underwear. You know, because that's all. So I'm packing, but then I'm instructed to stop by Stevie's house to pick up one of his brothers. So imagine now I get to go inside the house that I had seen in the past, and I'm sitting inside Stevie Wonder's house going, well, I never imagined that. Waiting for uh, you know his brother, Timothy, to come down. And we go to the airport together, and we fly to New York, and uh, get settled at the hotel. And then I go to the studio. Uh, which was the original Hit Factory. And uh, I'm sitting there on pins and needles uh, waiting for uh, my idol to show up. And hours later, he finally appears. And, uh, you know, the engineers say, you know, the kid is here. Uh, so uh, he extends his hand and says, hey, how you doing? And that single handshake changed my life. You know, we, we uh, started making small talk and he showed me uh, a song of his that was unreleased at the time. I guess he wanted to see if I could keep up. And um, that was that night. And then there was the next day uh, at the rehearsal studio where I met the rest of the band Wonderlove. And uh, it was a cast of characters, man, including Denise Williams, who pinched me on the butt occasionally. <laughs> Mike Cimbello and Raymond Pound. 
Nate Watts, the inimitable Nathan Watts on bass and just, you know, his character, man. Hank Red on sax, you know, it's amazing. And uh, it was between the, the audition, I guess that was more of the formal audition, and it was between me and this other guy <clears throat> who looked a little older. And I found out years later that guy was sent by Chick Corea. Oh, my God. So uh, between me and this guy and occasionally throughout the day, you know, certain band members would come up to me and go, it's okay. And uh, so, you know, I did my best. I did what I could do. It was all a blur. Uh, and I'm just trying to remain calm throughout all of this. And then uh, it's the evening and I'm in the car riding back to the studio with Stevie. And he turns around at one point and says, so... How does it feel to be a member of Wonderland? <laughs> and I went, oh, and so my mind is racing now, nanoseconds, because I'm, <clears throat> I'm recalling the stories I heard, all these urban legends about how uh, he was a practical joker and he didn't, you never knew if he was serious. So I, I managed to mutter out, are you serious? And he said, of course. I said, well, would you mind telling my mom? Because, you know, you ain't going to lie to mom. So we get to the uh, studio. I pick up the phone like this, dial the house, and give the phone to Steve. And the first voice my mom hears is Stevie Wonder's telling her that he wants his son, her son in his band, and he's going to take care of him and all this stuff, and it's whatever else he said. And, and, you know, they talked for a couple of minutes and uh, he hands the phone back to me. And this is what you hear for about the next several minutes. Uh. <laughs> so that happened April 2nd, 1975, one month before my 19th birthday and one month before Stevie's 25th. Mm. Do you want to know what he was working on at that time? Songs in the Key of Life. There wow. you go. Wow at 25. Now, we have to go to the other part of the story, which is Ricky Lawson didn't get the gig. Ah. He, he ended up with Roy Ayers. But you have to understand, the backstory to this, uh, you know, he was, Ricky was told he didn't get it, right? He leaves the studio. And he's outside. And he reaches in his coat pocket and realizes my tape is still on him. You know, he turned around and went back up and said to one of the managers at the time, says, you know, I, I promised this friend of mine that, that uh, I would, you know, uh, let Stevie, you know, hear this cassette. He's a keyboard player, and, and, and I, would you mind terribly if uh, Stevie heard it? And that's what happened. And apparently, allegedly, from one of his managers, uh, the, uh, the, the, the when, he, when Stevie finally heard the cassette, uh, allegedly, uh, the story goes that he was listening and he wasn't sure if it was himself or not. Yeah. That's why he had the new chapter. Wow. Because I I played some things, you know, to let him know, to try to send the message that I sort of know how I understand sort of how he thinks. At nineteen. 
Yeah. I mean, that was the goal. That was kind of the <laughs> idea. And I remember wow. I remember one of the things I played was You Are the Sunshine of My Life. You know, I played it I played the intro exactly like the record. So I'm I'm guessing it worked. <laughs> you might have scared him. Wow. That's I love that you had your mom get on, about on, on the on the phone though. That's that's my favorite part. Well, that good job. Well, yeah, because, yeah. You know, yeah, you got to you, you have you have to make sure it's uh, you got to verify. It. You were making you sure too. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like I like that move. That's funny, Greg. Join us for the next episode of Michael Jackson's Thriller album, Stories in the Room, with your hosts Anthony Marinelli and Stephen Ray. Watch our extended interviews on YouTube.com forward slash at Stories in the Room. Audio-only interviews are available on all podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Stories in the Room. For the latest news and links, visit the website, storiesintheroom.com. This podcast is produced by Christian D. Brune and David Wolf, recorded by Autovita Studios. Additional recording by Ben Rackless. Edited by Jay Spang and Sean Hedinger. Music by Anthony Marinelli and Stephen Ray. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.